There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Lead with Empower podcast is back, and I'm very excited for our guests today because, um, one, tremendous leader. We've had some great experiences working together. Uh, two, our first experience working together was a pretty unique situation, which we'll get into uh, over the course of the episode, but excited to be here during uh, the kind of in-between season with head coach of the Western Connecticut State University softball program, Coach Heather Stone. Coach. Thanks for joining the Lead with Empower podcast. How the heck are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm um, doing great. Getting re- really excited to you know get this season underway. Hopefully, the closest back to normal season since COVID. Yeah, a little bit ago, but really, really excited. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh no, my pleasure. And, and looking forward to our conversation. And and we've had some uh, a couple programs together over the years, and it's always good. You know, I think we, we have a good dialogue uh, while, while your athletes are going through some of the challenges. So really excited to dive a little bit deeper into it today. Um, for our listeners here, um, you know, do statistics define the leader? Not necessarily, but just so you have some uh, some stats here. 16 seasons, or this will be Coach Stone's 16th season as the head softball coach at Western Connecticut State University. You got to be doing something right. Five NCAA appearances. Uh, ECAC New England champs back in 2007, a nine, uh, I'm not going to say the year, a Western Connecticut State University graduate. You can share that later if you want. And then coaching right back at the alma mater. So yeah, the stats don't necessarily define the leader, but for someone who has that much staying power and is back where she went to school, it says something about the character and the leadership of Coach Stone. So that's who we have here today. And also a 2001 inductee into the West Con hall of fame pretty so pretty big deal here coach i'm psyched it was fun doing a little bit of research on you thanks (laughs) um so our first in-person meeting was in march early march of 2020 yeah and we had a, a team building event planned with your athletes and uh Half of the day was going to be on the ground, lunch break, and then get them up on the aerial adventure course. And about two thirds of the way into the on the ground portion in the morning, you received a phone call that was, hey, (laughs) the trip to Florida is not going to be happening and the season is possibly in jeopardy. And um, during the lunch break, you brought the athletes in and you made the announcement and we, we finished off the program. But I guess get give our listeners a little bit of insight, like first time going through something like that as a head coach, talk a little bit about the decision-making process to make the announcement during that program and give us just a little bit of background into the, the leadership challenges moving forward. Right. Cause there was yeah. so much up in the air and in, in, in that time and there still is, but, um, but the season ended up being canceled, which had to be heartbreaking for some of your athletes. And, um, but just, just give us a little insight into the, Kind of what happened from the moment you got that phone call through the uh, the rest of the what was supposed to be the season in 2020. I know, yeah, it seems it seems so long ago, but yeah, it seems like it was yesterday, right? So, you know, and we're still dealing with it. I mean, when I think back, I mean, we were so excited to do um, the Robes course and the team the team building 
um, for a lot of different reasons, but ultimately, you know, those things really do um, show your team's weaknesses and can help develop strengths. So we were really excited about that. And then obviously we had some expectation that maybe we wouldn't go to Florida, but to actually then get that call to say we weren't was a little bit um, shocking. And then I just think the realization that, you know, and, you know, four days later, we we're going to have our season canceled was not what I expected probably that day. But yep. I think, um, I think it was in that environment that I wanted to share just because I think we were in a position to work through it as a team versus waiting and being in a classroom and, you know, letting them go home, you know, to their rooms. I think it was, they had time to process as a team together and then kind of go out in the ropes course, which I think ultimately, I think it helped them prepare yep. because when we got the shock of, you know, our season being canceled, I think that they were prepared mentally. And I, I would like to think that day had something to do with it. Um, you know, and, you know, here we are, what, two seasons later, um, a whole new team, a couple of those kids that were there that day are, are back. We've lost a yep. lot of kids who have not come back just because we haven't played in two years. Um, I mean, we played briefly last year, but not really. So we really are hoping that this year is the year we kind of get back to normal. Um, you know, obviously we're still worried about COVID and protocols and, you know, I'm definitely COVID exhausted, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, of course. And, and you kind of just have to, you know, have your mindset towards, Hey, let's make the most out of the situation. I mean, especially yeah. losing a full season in college athletics in particular for you know, a lot of athletes, that's it. That's the end of the line, especially, you know, softball, you know, not yeah. a lot of options to go make a pro career out of it. Right. Um, talk like it, leadership is easy when you're winning. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's that old cliche. Um, that wasn't a winning situation for anybody as far as like season canceled, all these health concerns. What did you learn about yourself? And I, I think just the value of being part of an athletic program during that first spring, especially when it was pulled out from under you <laughs> and it yeah. was, Hey, we're going home. We're not playing, you know, might not see you again. Talk, talk a little bit about what you learned about yourself and then also the value of being part of that team environment. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, COVID was a challenge for a lot of people, um, but I especially think those that were in higher ed or any kind of team sport, whether it be pro, whatever it was, you lost that. And I think so many of us identify with being on a team and then suddenly not to have that, you definitely, um, it provided you with a lot of time to reflect on what was important to you um, and what mattered. And I think at that time, you know, one of the reasons we went to Empower is because I knew we were struggling with our leadership. Um, mm -hmm. and we needed to get back where we, you know, once were. And I think, you know, ultimately like for that senior class that I had, it was tough, right? Cause that one of the things I preached to them for their four years was, you know, you never know what you have until it's gone and, you know, it could be taken away oh, from you man. like that. And I think, you know, unfortunately they learned that lesson the hardest way possible. Um, did I ever think it would come to that? Absolutely not. Um, my heart breaks, you know, every time I think about it, cause you can never get back what you lost in that sense. Yep. Um, but I think for me, it gave me really a lot of time to reflect on, you know, how we got to that point, um, and how to restructure and, you know, get the culture back and kind of just see where I was at with coaching. And I think it gave me time to really reflect, which was helpful. Yep. Yep. And making, making good use of the time. And, and I joked around this in our, in our pre, uh, so kind of dealing with those tough situations as a leader, you, you've, you know, you've been through that. Another one of your uh, leadership strengths, I would have to say, is the, the, the clutch gene, right? So looking at some of the old stats on, on the, the team's website there, 10 
game-winning RBIs as a college athlete. What, what position did you play at Western Connecticut? And talk a little bit about your, your athlete experience there as an yeah. undergraduate. I was a catcher. Um, I came in, I actually was, um, you know, my coach, my coach that I played for, um, it's her first recruit, you know, she basically uh, built this program from the ground up. Um, so then I got to take over her for her, which was kind of, you know, cool. I mean, it's just a cool experience to be able to take, take over for her who built the program from nothing. Um, and then obviously, you know, tall challenge of keeping it where it was. Right. Um, love playing here, uh, was a lot smaller than, um, you know, my best friends still are from the team for sure. Yeah. I still have a pretty good alumni connection with a lot of people. And I think it helps being a coach now too, to keep that alumni from the past as well as the present. Right. Um, I, you know, my experience here was great. I would, wouldn't change it for anything. Um, you know, probably would have liked to play some more games, but you know, <laughs> back then we didn't play 40 games. I think we only played like 30 or 25, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know. Enjoyed it a lot. And uh, were you always into catching from like the high school level? And because I I caught in high school as a baseball player, it's in my opinion, best position on the, on the baseball or softball diamond. Yeah. I think, I feel like when you talk to most uh, college coaches, they either caught or pitchers. I mean, I feel like they always like being control, right. (laughs) We have that that trait in us. Um, But yeah, I I caught from an early age. And then, I mean, I did play a little outfield when I wasn't catching at West but for the most part, I caught my four years here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, this is uh, coach Heather Stone from Western Connecticut State University, a head softball coach. So you're, you're in an interesting time of the year. You had your athletes together in the fall. Um, again, I, I was, you know, privileged enough to go out there and work with them on a, a cool fall night on the baseball di- or the softball diamond there. And um, you're getting ready for things to, to ramp back up in March. Um, how did, in your opinion, how did the fall part of the season go and what are you doing right now just to stay engaged with your athletes? So come March, you know, everybody's ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, it's crazy. Like even the fall seems like so far away, like so much of our team dynamic has changed actually since that fall night. But I think that fall night kind of gave our, our, t- our current team a snapshot of what it's like to be on a team. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I do think this, this younger generation, um, you know, they interact with each other. Uh, through social media and and that way but they don't really interact with hands-on and I think it teaches them like the communication barriers that they have outside of the phone to be honest um but we've we've had you know our team dynamic has changed greatly since that fall night (laughs) so in good ways right because you you if you really aren't invested in something you just take away from the team dynamic so I think you know um, some kids decided it wasn't for them. Some kids, it wasn't for them, you know, and they had to find out the hard way. But I think we've been, you know, over break, we keep in touch regularly. They had some homework to do over break. Uh, we meet actually in a week. We're excited yep. to be back on campus. Um, we start our workouts, um, you know, so we have lots of good things um, scheduled for them to try to get back into the swing of softball. Yep. Um, because for a lot of these kids, they haven't had a normal full year season you know for two years like three years two three years right yeah it's it's that's been a challenge in itself I think but I think this group of kids that are back with us are super excited you know we're super excited to go to Florida you know knock on wood we're hoping that you know (laughs) goes as planned because that's a big part of our season and a big part of our team building right because we spend 10 days with each other so we've definitely done a lot of different things um as far as keeping in touch I mean I've regularly talked to the kids um you know also trying to give them a break just so they can kind of recharge for the semester as well. Yeah. Yeah. But 
for the most part, I mean, they're all excited. I was just, you know, on our group chat this morning, you know, getting them, you know, information about our meeting and they, they seem to all be really excited to get back and kind of start the season, which is good. Yep. Yeah, no, it's great. And now from, um, for, for people who aren't necessarily familiar with the, the softball dynamic, um, you know, most people think sport, you play one season and then it's your workouts. Talk a little bit about the different dynamic. Like, what are you trying to accomplish as a coach, as a leader in the fall with your athletes versus, you know, obviously in the springtime, you're, you're competing, you're playing 40 games and like two, it feels like probably crammed into a week. Talk a little bit about that dynamic and, and what, what you use the fall for in preparation for, you know, hopefully a, su a successful spring season. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, almost all college athletics are a full year, even though we only compete for one traditional season. Um, our non-traditional season starts in the fall. Um, you know, we are allowed four to five weeks, depending on what we want to do actual practice time with our kids. Yeah. Um, that's for division three. It's a little different for division one and two. But so we try to obviously meet with them right away. We, we do a lot of fundraising and which also to me equates team building because you yep. have to work together to do that. So we do that mostly in the fall and we obviously have our practices and we just, we try to just establish to the, especially the rookies, what the culture of our program is and where they are and the expectations. So going, when we get to the spring, there's no, there's no questioning, you know, what the expectations are and what's required of you. Um, and what that looks like, you know, we want them to know, you know, what does it look like to be a West Constable player? And yep. we want them to know that, um, wholeheartedly. And I think, you know, this year I had 20 freshmen, 20 rookies. Um, so that was challenging to say the Huge. least, yep. um, but exciting because they were all excited and they, they generally wanted to be part of it. So I think that made it exciting for everybody. Um, you know, so we really just worked on basic fundamental softball for starters, as far as the softball piece, just to get them used to what the expectation for here is. And then two, just off the field stuff, like what is expected of you in the classroom? What's expected of you socially? Because I think a lot of kids, they don't know, you know, they've yeah. never had that direction um, given to them. And I think, you know, that was challenging at times, but you know, <laughs> you learn through mistakes, right? Like you just yeah. do, you know, one of my, you know, favorite kids is you know right now in intercession class hoping that she gets i'm hoping she gets the grade so she can play you know and she wasn't so much my favorite in the fall because she made mistakes you know and she lied about them and you know she learned a lot about herself in the fall and you know i think integrity is everything and i think when a kid really learns that that matters that's to me is a win and i yep. think you know this kid has learned a lot has been through a lot and you know i don't know why i always like those kids that give me gray hairs but <laughs> But, you know, we try to get kids like that to understand that, that you're part of bigger, you're part of something bigger than yourself. And if you really want to be part of it, you have to accept that. Yep. And I think yep. that goes into the leadership piece. And, you know, I think, I mean, I'm a big believer in the ropes course and the whole on the ground stuff. I mean, I was also prior military, so I think I have a more understanding of really what it does um, and brings people together. So, you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's, it's always fun. And your, your athletes have been great in the, in the two interactions I've had with them in, back in 2020. And then again, this fall, um, and we'll get into a little bit about your military experience and some of those takeaways that you carry with you today as a coach, uh, in a bit in the episode, um, you, you brought up the word culture and obviously, you know, that's thrown around a lot. And I think some people have a better understanding of what it is and how to build it. And some say it yeah. as a buzzword. Um, if I, I'll ask you for like right now, 
the Westcon softball program's culture is. And this is a tough, this is a tough one. Like, how would you define it right now as the head coach? Is growing or being established or re I should say it's being reestablished. Yeah, I would say Westcon softball culture is being reestablished. I think um, for a while, you know, obviously starts with that top. We just kind of, I think I expected it just to, you know, be there without actually cultivating it. And like anything, if you don't feed it, it's not going to grow. And I think I expected my athletes to feed it, you know, and obviously I think coach uh, team player led teams are the best. And I think we've had that for so long, but somewhere, you know, and, and I've done a lot of reflecting that stopped happening. And I think I blamed it on the players when really, you know, you got to look at yourself and kind of say, okay, where did, where did the players stop understanding how to lead, which ultimately builds that culture. Right. So I think our culture is being reestablished right now. Great. And then this will be probably your best guess. If I were to ask, you know, a handful of your athletes, the same question, like what's the Westcon softball team culture right now? What do you think I would get from the athlete's perspective? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think that they would say what you'd want them, what you'd want to hear, because that's what these kids do. Right? <laughs> um, I think they would say family. I think that would be the first thing that probably came to their mind, yeah. um, that they would do anything for each other. I think they would say it started off shaky in the yeah. fall and that they, we did leadership training throughout the fall, you know, 10 weeks of, you know, reading and discussing and kind of, you know, looking in the mirror. And I think that helped all of them to understand that, you know, leadership is about accountability first. And I think once you understand that as a a young person, what accountability means, it helps go a long way. And sometimes being holding people accountable and even yourself is, is tough, right? So I think they would say, you know, family for sure. They'd say it's better. It started off rough. I think it's gotten better. Great. What has you, uh, what has you most excited about the upcoming spring season with this group of athletes? It, it, again, super energetic group. I, I didn't yep. get to see them do my, I did get to see them do some softball drills, which was fun yep. prior to our event. Um, and it could be from a softball standpoint or, or just from an overall team dynamic. What has you most excited right now about the 22 season? I just think, you know, the team itself, like the players, they're just good kids. Um, you know, some of them, like I said, they've made mistakes. Um, but generally I think they, they're all good hearted kids. And I think that's hard, you know, um, sometimes when you don't have somebody who has the best intentions to coach that can be difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I I'm really just excited about the newness, like none of our players returning are start have started and played in a full season. I mean, I, I have, uh, four seniors who've never started and played in a full season, um, I have a junior who played a little bit last year, but I don't really count last year as a full season. I mean, yeah. she might've played five games. So like we have nobody on this team that has played a full season of softball. And to me, that's like exciting because it's all new for them. Right. It's a new experience and, and, and trying to establish that, you know, new culture, it kind of helps, I think. So I think we're all excited for like getting to Florida and how we do and how, how, how the off the field stuff can correlate to on the field positive you know, results. And on the, on the converse of that, I think, you know, part of leadership is obviously recognizing like, this is what I'm excited about. This is what we're shooting for, but also there's that, Hey, these are the potential things that could get in the way. Like those potential roadblocks is, is the youth, is the inexperience the biggest one. And like, I guess what's your plan of it? Or if not, what, 
whatever it is, what's your plan of attack, I guess, as the, as the coach, as the one driving the ship to, and it's not going to be a perfect one, right? You're going to probably yeah. have to adjust. I mean, this, but. I think being young is, you know, people can look at it as a negative thing. I think for me, like I'm really trying to look at it as a positive thing and, and embrace it. Will we make mistakes? Of course. But I also think that for the past couple of years, especially the teams that we're playing in our division, I think everybody's kind of in that boat. I think it's new for everybody. I think yeah. there's mo- most of the teams didn't have that same experience um, that they normally would have. So I, I embrace the youth. I think to me, that's like what I'm excited about. Um, I think roadblocks, I mean, of course, like whenever you coach a team, it's all comes down to playing time, right? With the parents, <laughs> yeah. it's, it all comes down to playing time. And when you're on a big team, you know, only so many people can play. And I think, you know, if you're recruiting and doing your job, you know, you have every kid on your bench that should be able to play. Well, unfortunately, everybody can't play. So they've probably played all their life. And this is the first time they're going to ever going to sit the bench. And we always tell our players, the hardest thing is learning how to be a good teammate. And that, especially when you're sitting the bench for the first time. And I think that is like a huge accountable moment that, again, most of my team hasn't gone through ever. Like this yep. will be the first year. So I think that in itself will really test our, our culture and how strong it is. Um, you know, we have two months to really kind of build up that foundation. So hopefully it doesn't crack when we get to spring break, when, you know, <laughs> five or six kids are not happy that they're not playing and, you know, and they can't really look in the mirror and see the bigger picture. Um, I'm hoping that that's, that's not the case, but I mean, there's always a couple that it's hard. You've played all your life. And then all of a sudden, wait, what do you mean? I'm not starting, you know what I'm, I'm of not course, playing. Yeah. And I think that's, yep. a, especially in these days when kids play all the time, you know? So I think, you know, that's the challenge for me is making sure our, our core foundation is solid enough that when we get to spring break, that our kids embrace it, you know, embrace their roles. So we can be successful. So you brought up the idea of like the, the, that first, like, I guess, slap in the face, Hey, maybe I'm not good enough to, to, you know, find regular playing time. The shift in youth sports. Right. And, and, I grew up, I was born in 80, you know, there wasn't a lot of like travel team options and, you know, you kind of played for the city or town league. And if you played a lot, great. You probably stuck with the sport for a little bit. And if not, you know, maybe you realize like, Oh, maybe I'll try another sport. Um, you know, I know AU travel play, you know, pay to play teams are kind of all over the place. Is, is there a dynamic or do you think the dynamic in, you know, for these athletes now where, coming up in middle school it's like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna be on this team and um I'm not getting the playing time that I want or I don't like the coach or this I'm gonna just jump to this other team does does that play a role in I guess that challenge that you're facing now as a college coach where you know you're getting athletes who first time in their life they're maybe not getting the playing time that they like and I guess how do you combat that yeah I mean I think you hit it on the head and I think I really liked um in the fall when you were at uh, our school and you're going through the program with them and you kind of said, Hey, I had to look in the mirror and realize that I wasn't good enough. And yeah. I think, you know, when kids hear that from other people, because parents never want to tell their kids they're not good enough, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, and I think sometimes <laughs> as parents, that's our flaw. Um, because you need to be honest with your kids, even though it might hurt them in the moment. Um, it's better for them long-term to know that, Hey, somebody might be better than them. And I think, a lot of times the whole youth sport thing has created that false sense of, you know, I'm better, why I'm not playing, you know, and, and not like actually being able to assess talent and realize that, wow, this kid is better than me. And I think yeah. nobody wants to admit that because they haven't 
had to because their parents had the parents haven't held them accountable to any kind of standard it's always been you know and look I'm a parent I totally get it um and it, it is difficult when your kid sits the bench and you know she's not playing I mean I went through it my kid played basketball and softball and she played in Notre Dame Fairfield as a sophomore and she wasn't playing and I'm like what do you mean she's not playing like she's good <laughs> and I, I and I really thought she should have played you know even from a coaching standpoint but I think that just shows us all that parents always think their kids are maybe better than what what actually is required from that sport and I think yeah. if the best thing parents can do is making their kids sit it out and and fight through the adversity rather than just I'm going to jump ship and go to a different team so I can play and granted everybody wants to play you're young you know why not but understanding that when you leave that team because you weren't good enough to make it you have to own that and I think most kids don't own it they blame it on some other outside you know entity and yeah. instead of just saying you know what I'm not good enough for that team and I think if we encourage that more I think our kids will be better in the long run and I think we try to encourage that now, you know, we do a lot of self-assessments. We ask them, you know, who do you think should be in the starting lineup? And, you know, we know when they do that, where they're off in their thinking and, or are yep. they on in their thinking, you know, because, you know, when they say, when every kid on your team and you have, you know, 25 plus kids say they should be starting. Yeah. Something's a little off. There, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and it happens. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I laugh about it every year, but it happens like every, you know, and then you'll get the kid who does get it. And those are the kids that I just like love because they're so light years ahead of the growth curve that, you know, I don't have to spend as much time on them as the kids who aren't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you, you brought up the, the phrase own it, own it. And it ties back into what you talked about at the beginning of the episode, that idea of leadership is accountability. And yeah. like, Hey, if you jump ship because of playing time, you know, it's probably not the coach's fault or the girl's fault who you think their family is better friends with the coach's family. It's, Right. You know, maybe you weren't good enough in that moment. Maybe you could, you could improve X, Y, and Z, whatever yeah. it might be. And it's a valuable skill to learn. Yeah, It's unrealistic. It's, it's unrealistic yeah. to say, I'm going to be perfect at everything. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just think, unfortunately, this generation is, um, you know, that's the whole trophy generation, right? Like, I think that's the whole thing, like learning failure. Um, they're all so very afraid to fail. Yep. Um, it's like the end of the world. So instead of failing, instead of giving, instead of giving it their hundred percent, um, all they can give, um, and knowing that they could fail, they're so afraid of that fear of failing that they don't even give it a hundred percent and trying to teach them that is very difficult because, yep. you know, for different generations and granted, we're all different. Like I have to learn how they think, you know, I just, you know, there's no generation that's right or wrong, you know? And I think for us, it was always like, give it everything you have. And if you come up short, at least you can walk away knowing you give it everything you have. Yep. Like that's kind of, I think typical of the older generation, I think the younger generation is like so afraid to fail that they build that excuse in, well, I didn't really, I didn't really, you know, do this. I could have been better. So maybe I am better, you know, and they, yep. it's like that built in defense mechanism that protects their psyche. And, you know, and I don't know how we got there. I think part of that is, you know, our generation of parents, but um, you know, <laughs> we, we want to protect our kids. So we don't let them fall down, you know, and and falling down, I mean, like anything, everywhere you see, like the biggest successes are the ones that rebounded after a lot of failures. Yep, so I yep. think we try to build that into our leadership. Like we talk, we read, you know, about people that weren't successful until after they failed numerous times. You know, yep. I still have kids that are paralyzed by the thought of failing. 
And we saw that in the fall that there was like the tennis ball activity where one, like one group refused to try to carry more than one tennis ball or like, it was just, we know we can do this. And it's kind of, it's like good enough. <laughs> yeah, Like they're just afraid of like putting it all out there, you know? And it's like, it's okay. You might fail, you know, yep. but at the end of the day, you're going to learn from that failure more than you are from not trying your best. Yeah. And it, it ended up being a great conversation around, like, especially in what we were doing, there was like zero risk involved. Like they weren't going right. to get like playing time for winning that particular challenge. It was just, Hey, yeah. let's go all out. And if you lose, you lose, yeah. like they'll talk trash at you for like 10 more minutes. And then after that, you'll forget like who won that last challenge. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, you talked about like the athletes that are kind of further along the line, as far as like that accountability piece, like when you go and you, you recruit and your coaching staff recruits, obviously physical skills and softball ability is, is a, is a big part of that. What are some of the other non softball related elements that you really value as a head coach say, Hey, this is a kid, you know, maybe not, going to come in great, you know, good enough to crack the lineup in the first couple of years, but a kid I want is part of, part of our program here at Westcon. Yeah, I think we definitely, I think right now that's the big piece of recruiting. I mean, obviously we all want players that can play like that's hands down, but I think what sets you as a recruit apart from everybody else is truly, you know, your values and how you were raised, unfortunately. And, you know, you might not have control of that you know, younger side of your years, but as you get older, you can see like what works and what doesn't work. I think we really look at the family dynamic. Um, and then that doesn't mean it has to be, you know, mom, dad, it doesn't matter what the family is per se, but like what the family values, yep. you know, is that kid independent or is mom and dad or whoever um, their guardian is, are they, you know, doing everything for that kid or is that kid, you know, able to do things for themselves? Does that kid have a voice? Um, are they respectful? How do they treat their teammates? And that's a huge one. You know, what kind of person they are. I think above all else, we want good people and I'll take a good person over a bad person. Who's a great athlete, right? Yep. I mean, if you're a good person and you're a good athlete, I'll take you over the great athlete. Who's a shitty person or a bad yep. person. You could say um, that you're good. Okay. That's your one. That's your one freebie. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think, and that's a challenge in recruiting, right? Because we don't get to see all that sometimes because kids can mask that, right? Yeah. Um, you can prep your kid when they go somewhere to act a certain way for a little bit of time. So sometimes we miss that in the recruiting process and that's on us, you know, that's our, we, and we, t and we own that, you know, and sometimes it's hard to own, you know, um, but I think, you know, and some kids can come in with, with really immature, um, mentality. And right now that's happening a lot because of COVID, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, these yep. kids are behind mentally and their emotional maturity is really behind. And I think we're seeing that, um, but that doesn't mean a kid can't learn. And for us, it's just knowing that that kid wants to be part of something bigger than this and, and, and being able to say, you know, you're right. I am a, I'm a jerk. I need to like fix this, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, you've been at it, you know, between you, you spent some time at the U S merchant Marine Academy, Kings point 2000. So coaching for over 20 years. Yeah. Looking back, like what's been looking back on early coach Heather Stone, like what's been something that you, that uh, a, a positive trait, a positive leadership trait that has been with you and one that maybe didn't, you didn't really have in the beginning that you've developed over the years. Um, I think my, my, probably my biggest is the ability to help kids believe in themselves you know, whether you say that's empathy or just providing them with 
um, the belief that they can do it. Um, yeah. cause I think a lot of kids come in and they don't believe in themselves and their self-worth is definitely not where it should be. So, and I think if you, um, provide that to a kid, they're going to play better than they could have ever imagined and better than you could have ever imagined because they have somebody who believes in them. Yeah. So I think for me, that's, I've always been a big part of that, especially at Kings point. When I started there, you know, I had kids who'd never played the sport playing at a collegiate level. So crazy. You know, I had to provide them, I had to provide them with a lot of belief. Um, and it worked. I mean, I had a kid who was a lacrosse player. We didn't have, we didn't have a cross at, at Kings point. So I was like, Hey, come out and play softball. And she was not a great fielder, but I turned her into a lefty slapper. She became an all region player because she was fast. She put the ball on the ground. I mean, so, you know, she, she didn't believe she could, I probably didn't believe she could when she started, but she did, you know, and yeah. I think that's probably been my biggest is just, you know, kind of, I guess that goes into caring and, you know, being empathetic and, and valuing them as a whole, not just what they can do on the field. And yeah. then I think the thing that I've learned, I think all coaches, but maybe is patience. You know, I'm not a very patient person even <laughs> to this day, but I think that I've become more patient. And I think my athletes, especially my alum will, they kind of say that I've become soft, but I think in reality, that's, <laughs> that's just because I've become patient. Yeah. You know, I've, I've learned patience, um, through the years. I mean, I still probably have a lot to learn there. Um, but I'm definitely far more patient than I was 20 years ago. That's <laughs> uh, good. Good, honest self-assessment right there. And it sounds like the alums are keeping you in check as well, which is good. We always yeah. need that account, the accountability kicking the ass, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so it's, I'm glad we got to look back at the early, uh, early bit of your coaching career, um, you brought up early in the episode, your, your military experience, talk, talk on that a little bit. Um, one, uh, thank you, uh, you know, obviously for, for that and, uh, for your service and, um, talk a little bit about your experience and, and, and what part has, has kind of stayed with you or what parts have stayed with you in, in your coaching? Yeah, no, I mean, I loved, um, being part of the military again, it's just like that something part of your, something that's bigger than you. And I definitely, um, enjoyed it. And I think I learned a lot as an athlete going in, you know, you think that, and I was, you know, out for a while when I actually went back and I thought, you know, this, this is going to be easy. Um, so I, the way that you are challenged, you know, through your basic training and your AIT and your, you know, your, um, Sergeant, all the training that you have to do each, each step of the way, I think really kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone. And I don't think I ever felt that even through collegiate sports, ever until I like experienced it through the military training. And when you get to that point, when you do something that you didn't think you could do, like whether it's your body, like you think you can't go anymore and you just, you, and you're forced to, yeah. um, because somebody else is forcing you to, but that's <laughs> good or bad. You know, you can look at that either way, but I think, um, you know, through some of the confidence courses I did and some of the trainings that I did, I was, it was just like, wow, like you don't know what you can really handle until you actually have somebody who's willing to push you to that point. And I think I learned a lot through that. Mm -hmm. And I also, I definitely like just the whole organization, like dress right. You know, everything's orderly, you know. Like and, that discipline and, side, right? The discipline yeah, I definitely piece. Like the, I love the discipline side. And I love the fact that your team, you know, platoon, whatever you are there, it's like you rely on everybody. You're, you're no better than anybody else. And even if you're good, if they're not, you're still kind of not where you need to be. So I think that relates to team, whatever sport you coach, like the carryover is tremendous. And I think I learned a lot of that, to be honest, through the military. And I 
actually joined right in the beginning of my coaching. So it kind of helped me, I think, shape what I, what was important to me. So just to, like timeline wise, you, you graduate from college yep. as a college athlete. Was it like, talk a little bit about, I guess, your, your, your transition out of college into yeah. the professional world. Yeah. So I graduated a while back and, um, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a, uh, I got my BA in psychology, which helps now, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I really didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't knew I didn't really want to go back to school right away. Um, so I moved to Virginia, you know, right after actually my first year out of college, I stayed on at West Point as graduate assistant and worked okay. coach, did a bunch of different things, you know, and then I moved to Virginia just to get away to experience something different. A couple of friends and I went down there and, um, I got a, a coaching job at Christopher Newport, um, with an older gentleman, Paul Weiss, who since have left us, but, um, he yeah. gave me a chance. I was there for three years. He was former military, older gentleman, loved like working with him, learned a lot about pitching. And he kind of gave me a chance to do a lot as an yeah. assistant coach and knew, I think then that I kind of wanted to coach, but I flirted with going back to school for nursing and the military. It was always like, what do I want to do? You know, like <laughs> kind of where am I going with my life type of deal, but I could never really give up coaching, but I got to a point where when I was in, when I was in Virginia, those three years, I actually played pro for that first year when the, um, when, when women's professional league started in 97, I, I tried out, I made the team got cut like halfway through the summer, but got yeah. to be able to experience that, which is so cool. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. And then I kind of decided that, yeah, I mean, to sign a contract and to get paid. I mean, it was, it was definitely like surreal, even now yeah. I look back at it. Um, but then I decided, you know, like I need to do something because coaching wasn't full-time and I was working at a children's psychiatric hospital as my full-time job. So yeah. I just said, you know what, I'm going to see what the military thing's about, see if they can pay my loans off. And I just kind of joined, I think I was 27 at the time, I think. Um, so, you know, and I ended up getting out right after, 9-11, like 2003, I think I was only in for one, six years, Okay. four back to, so, um, you know, so it was a great experience. My, sometimes I regret not staying in, but I, you know, was a single parent. So I was going to give up the opportunity to raise my kid. Yeah. But, uh, I think it really, there's a lot of, of the military that I really enjoy and really, really like, I mean, a lot of my military friends, I still keep in touch with, um, you know, you have to, you have to really love it though. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that don't like it, you know, it's just personality. It's gotta be for you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now you brought up the idea like that, that air, that gray area of like, I'm not sure. Do I want to go this route? Do I want to go that route? And now obviously you're a, a, a coach of college at student athletes who yeah. probably have that or not all of them, but some of them probably have that same what happens next? Like, yeah. how do you draw on your experiences with your athletes now? And like, I guess, what did you learn about, you know, the decision-making process or just that, Hey, these are my options. I'm, I'm, I'm going all in. Right. Cause you know, if you half-ass something, that's not going to get you anywhere. So like, how, how do you draw on your personal experiences with, with the athletes that you work with today, even though it's 20 some odd years, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, different, I think, you know, I think for sure. A lot of them will come in you know, you have, it's half and half. Some come in and they know what they want to do. They know their path. They're, you know, very regimented in that. And then there's more than not, most of them come in with a plan. And then the plan is, wait, this is not what I planned. I want <laughs> something else, you know? 
Um, and yeah, I, and I still have kids that are juniors who still don't know what the hell they want to do. Um, what the heck they want to do. There you go. There you go. Um, Second one's free though. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I just, I, this actually just this year, I was helping a junior and she was, she had been just miserable and, you know, I kind of called her on it and, and we were part, a big part of it is cause she didn't know what she wanted to do with her life. And, you know, this is a very smart young lady and she usually knows exactly what she wants to do. And I think that was a big part of her like anxiety or just her frustration. It was not knowing like where her life was leading. And I think when she kind of figured out, Oh, this is what I want to do. It, like a, this big sense of relief kind of came off her. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of kids are like that. And I think again, younger maturity level, emotional maturity, mental maturity is all developing later. So I think them not knowing it is okay. And I kind of help them embrace that. You know, that's what college I think is for is learning to find yourself yep. and learning to find your way and what you think your freshman year probably is not going to be what you think your, your senior year yep. and just trying to cultivate them in the right direction that kind of best fits them. I mean, it is hard. Like I get a kid who's like, I want to do this. And through experience, I know that that kid is not going to make it doing that, you know, go back to that parent who doesn't want them to fail. Like I can't say anything, yep. you know, I have to let those kids fail. And that's hard because I know it's going to happen and it could affect softball. Like that kid could fail out yep. off and that's been hard. And that's happened um, recently actually. Um, and it's tough because I knew that kid wasn't going to pass those classes, you know, yep. but I let her do it anyway, because unfortunately that's tough. You know, if it was, and that's hard too, because it's money and all that kind of, but if the kid really wants something, sometimes they need to know that they just can't do it. You know? Yeah. Or, or they, these they, are the behavioral changes you need to make if you want to yeah. fight and chance to do it, I right. think is another big part of it. Right. And, and knowing like what it really takes to be that. Like sometimes mm -hmm. people think, oh, I have it. Well, do you really? Yeah. You know, and I think kids don't realize the sacrifices that some people actually make to get what they want. Yeah. You know? yep. so, um, yeah. You've touched on this a couple of times. Your, your daughter is an athlete. Yes. College athlete now. Correct. Um, yes. Softball. She's Yep. She's a freshman playing softball at Barry University in Miami. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> being on the coach side and then on the parent side in the bleachers, how hard is that for you, <laughs> for you to juggle? Like, God, if I was the coach, I wouldn't want to hear me say this right now. Like, do you have those moments and how do you coach yourself uh, through those moments? Yeah. Right. I mean, I think like my daughter, have my daughter and I have a really great relationship and I think you know, me as a coach, I'm like, I envy the coaches who get to coach my kid. Like, cause yeah. I think the, I personally, and this is a coach's statement, honestly, a parent one, I think she's a coach's dream because she's lived for the past 18 years around not just me as a coach, but other coaches, other sports. And she's seen all the bad and the good. I didn't, I never really sheltered her from any of that. Yeah. Um, and I think she has realistic expectations and, you know, she didn't go into college thinking, oh, I'm going to be a starter. Or I'm going to do this. She, you know, and I didn't want her to think that I really wanted her to have to work her butt off, you know, yeah. to actually work and, and, and do. And I think, you know, that's good, but, you know, you know, like any parent, I definitely have a hard time sitting in the stands, like, oh, you know, follow through, like do typical stuff that doesn't really matter in the game. Yeah. You shouldn't be saying as a coach anyway, <laughs> but as a parent, you're like, oh, you know, and, and you know, her thing is like, just, can you just not say anything? And I'm like, you know, so we don't really, we don't really talk softball mechanics or anything like that. Um, unless she asks, you know, yep. if she asks, I'll give it to her. If she doesn't ask, like, it's more about, for me, it's more about academics. Like I am on her about her academics. You know, I've always said A's pay, try to teach kids that young. <laughs> um, 
you know, so that it's tough, you know, and I'm fortunately, I'm really good friends with her coach. So like, I would never, as a, we have a lot of the similar coaching styles. So that's, I think okay. has helped my kid like where she's at too. And I think, um, as a coach, you definitely value your colleagues and I would never, you know, never question, you know, can we always think we would do things different for sure. But then we kind of talk about it. Like, yeah, why'd you do that? Cause you learn, I think you, the game is ever evolving and, you know, I've learned so much from her coach and other coaches that, you know, but it's definitely not easy sometimes sitting in the stands and being like, Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. what position does your daughter play? Shortstop. Okay. All right. All yeah. Right. She was a catcher in baseball. Then when she made the transition to softball, she's like, oh, I'm not going to catch anymore. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, so she went to shortstop. She wanted to do something different and she's kind of never looked back from nice. Yeah. Nice. So they, and you were just down there. Are they in practice mode right now? Or was yeah, this they, purely like a mom daughter visit? Yeah, no, they're actually back at school. Um, they started this week. Mon- what's today? Yeah, they started Monday, and their first practice was Tuesday. So I think they play at the end of the month. Nice. Won't really get to see them play a whole lot um, online. Obviously, thank God for that. Yeah, I'll get to see yep. her play online as much as I can, and I'll, uh, I'm actually trying to go there. I think if I can scoot over there um, for a game or two when we're down there, because it's only we're only two hours away, I might try to catch her play live. But that'll be tough. That's the only challenge, you know. I won't get yep. to see her play live too much, but. Yeah, got down there in the fall this year, which was good. God bless the internet, right? Is yeah, the right. still streaming games? For sure. Um, for sure. Well, Coach Stone, we're on the we're on the home stretch right here. We're gonna button up the episode again. This is uh, Coach Heather Stone from Western Connecticut State University. The head softball coach uh, has become a a great friend over the past couple of years uh, through some uh, an interesting moment back in March of 2020 during that you know finding out during our team our team building program together that uh, everything was shutting down. Uh, but coach again, thank you for being on. It's been great to hear your story and, and your thoughts and and insight. Uh, wrap up the episode here a few quick hitters, all right? Uh, everybody cheats in this so you know you, it's supposed to be like a quick answer, but everybody breaks okay. the rules, so we'll go with it. Um, okay. <laughs> growing up, was there a, a, a team that you, that you followed like religiously or an athlete that you really looked up to as like a role model and who was it and why? I, I followed the Patriots and the Red Sox religiously um, as for an athlete, Michael Jordan. Okay. All right. No, no local. I mean, the, the no local Boston athlete bird. Come on. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Larry Bird, <laughs> but I was kind of like old, like I was, he was older, you know, like, and I was more, I was more into, um, Red Sox. I mean, I'm trying to think way back then, like, was it Jerry Rice? Like, was, I was in the Patriots. I mean, I like, I laugh. I watch, you know, I'm watching the Brady, you know, the man in the arena. And, you know, I hated Tom Brady initially because I was a big Bledsoe fan. Big Bledsoe. You, know? <laughs> um, you know, and so, but got to love the man now, right? Like, he speaks to everything that I think coaches coach about. So, yeah. 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 Um, if you could, have three dinner guests anybody alive or not um who would those three be and why wow abe lincoln michael jordan wow and i don't even know the last one i brought i i think i would say like a great grandmother or something that i never met in my family lineage okay um abe lincoln why because i think he speaks to leadership and failing and you know how he survived um all the negative naysayers and still became something um i, I just i love everything that i've ever read about him from him 
Um, and then Michael Jordan, just because I think the ultimate competitor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just like everything that, and I've met him in person. I just, you know, never really got to ask him any questions. Yeah. And then I just think somebody, somebody that I had never met in my family lineage would be neat to see like what their trials and tribulations were growing up in this country, you know, before I was even thought of. Yep. Yep. Great. Great answer. A little bit of everything right there. You got your politics, yeah. you got your athlete, you got your family, you're good. Um, the best bit of leadership advice you've ever received. Um, especially these days with these athletes, you need to show them what it looks like. You can't tell them, you can't um, preach it to them. You have to show them what culture is to you. You have to show them what good culture is. You You have to give them solid concrete examples of this is what it looks like. If you can't tell them though and give them examples of what it looks like, then you can't expect them to understand what you're actually talking about. I think that's probably been the best thing I've learned um, right before COVID. Actually, I I was like, I have a friend, a mentor, coaches, coach, coaching coaches who coach coaches because every coach needs a coach, right? Like we all, your kids have coaches. And I think, and I was at a time where I, you know, questioned my coaching and she, one of her big thing is like, what does it look like? You know, what does West Consoffel culture look like? You know, if you can't provide that, then what are you doing? Like your kids don't know what you were asking of them. So I think giving them solid concrete examples of this is what it looks like to be a good teammate. Yeah. I love that. And it's funny that you brought that up because we see that. And I see that in our work all the time, like working with a group of athletes or a group of uh, middle school students or corporate even, you know, oh, we did, we did teamwork or we did good communicate. Well, all right. What did it look, sound, feel like? Like, what were those tangibles that let you say, yeah, that, you know what, that was freaking great communication. And if we do that more, it'll make things easier. And it's, it's funny that you get this, you know, thinking about, you know, that showing people, you know, um, the tangible. I think that's been big with me. Cause I'm not, that's a, I think you have to learn that. You know, I, yeah. I just, I say, hey, be a good teammate. Well, these kids don't know what that means. Like, yeah. They don't know that, yay, you know, they'll just cheer and they don't really understand like being a good teammate means sometimes not getting to play the game because somebody's better than you and, and yep. how do you handle that? So I think we really showing them what it looks like. What does whatever you're trying to teach look like? Yep. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. Um, again, you've been coaching a great, a great career as a coach. It's a, it's a long career as a coach. It's not an easy thing to maintain. You're still going strong. What, 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 what inspires you now? Like what, like what, what keeps you going? What keeps you doing it to the level that you're doing it at coach? That's a great question. Um, I think, I think just the passion for the game um, and not just the game of softball, but just the basically to me, the game of life itself, it's a sport. And um, I think for me, I always tell recruits like, there's two goals for myself. You know, I want to win a national championship, but I don't know any coach ever sitting in office that wouldn't say they want to do that. Not many of us get to experience that. You know, the ones that do say it's the best ever. Um, The ones that don't, I mean, the other, so what's the other reward that you get from coaching, you know, every year, year in and year out. And for me, it's like making sure I leave my student athletes better than I found them, that they can go out into this world and be productive and, you know, call me back later or meet up with them or go to their weddings and see their kids born. I mean, to me, that's what keeps me going. It's the fact that knowing that I help them for a little portion of their life become 
better, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it'll be through the tough times we talk about, you know, the times that they hated me, but they remember that so strongly because it made them better. And I think, you know, that's what keeps me going. Just trying to make sure I can still make an impact um, and help the student athletes become better people. Love it. Love it. And then the last one here, that was a great answer is um, if you could share a bit of inspiration for, um, you know, I think athletes and coaches who are getting ready for the, the, you know, maybe the, 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 the tail end of the winter season or the spring season, what, what would your little nugget of inspiration be coach stone? I just think um, COVID is for in so many people's ways, they would say COVID has taken away, taken away from us so much. But I think in the same sense, it's provided us with so much if you can look at it. So now that we understand what it really means to lose something we truly love, take every advantage and like use it. Like every minute, every time you get on the court, every time you get on, you know, in the pool, every time you get on the softball field, football field, like you don't know, it could be your last time. So, you know, you never want to walk off that court leaving anything behind. And I think, you know, go out there and give it your all. And then you can look in the mirror when you're done and, and really be proud of what you've accomplished. Love it. Love it. Well, coach, I really appreciate you joining uh, the lead with empower podcast. I knew it was going to be a great dis- uh, conversation. You did not disappoint one bit. Um, ladies and gents, that is coach Heather stone, the Western Connecticut state university head softball coach. We'll make sure in the show notes, there's uh, links to the website so you can follow them along, see how they do over the course of the 2022 season. I'll be doing that for sure. And just a couple of great takeaways there at the end of the episode, the idea of, you know, I think embracing the moment and really appreciating the moment and, you know, something that, you know, I think coach touched on throughout the episode of, Hey, those ugly moments are typically the ones that lead us to our biggest victories. So, um, you know, live those, you'll survive those, you'll take something away from those and you'll be better from those tough moments. Thanks again for uh, joining us, coach stone. Thank you again, uh, listeners for checking out the lead with empower podcast. Be safe out there. Enjoy the rest of your week. And always remember, be courageous, be kind and get after it. We'll check you out on the next one. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that, which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.